First Peter chapter four. How many's ever had a, a list of instructions from your wife, Oscar, to pick up certain things and you forget about them? You've never done that, Oscar, right? Your wife says, "All right, bring home corn tortillas, right? Bring home stevia, right? What else does she tell you to bring home sometimes? Make sure you bring home the almond milk, right? And you forget the corn tortillas. Is she disappointed in you, brother? Yeah, she'd probably be disappointed in you, wouldn't she? Louis Jr., you've never done that, have you? Mom says, go to the store, get this, 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 and this, and then you forget, and you bring home everything else, cookies, pies, cakes, donuts, right? Amen? Especially when you go to that Mexican bakery, you can't go away from there without having some Mexican cookies, you know what I'm saying? Those things are delicious. Uh, but I'll tell you what, they're made out of real stuff, kids. They're not made out of that synthetic butter stuff. This is the real thing. It's the lard, and it's made right. So 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses uh, 7 through 11, uh, we're talking about the idea of uh, last days. And in Peter, we find here some last-minute instructions that's given to us. And I think as a Christian, we better pay close attention. I say last minute. Why do I say last minute? Because we're in the last minutes. <laughs> I don't think we're, I think Jesus Christ, I hope, is going to come soon. And if he doesn't come soon, we're going to face some serious persecution in our time. And uh, if that's the case, then so be it. But praise God, uh, we do know that God will come back. And he's always been ready to come back at any time. He could have come back in Paul's time. Uh, praise God. But here we find in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, it says, and let's start back just a little bit. Let's start back. Um, in verse 4, And they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins, using hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom may be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful tonight, Lord, that we get to meet together in your house. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you just please lift our spirits. Lord, I know sometimes it can be discouraging, it can be frustrating when we look around us and we see all the um, evil and all the uh, rebellion and all the sin against you. And we say, Lord Jesus, please come quickly. And Lord, it really, in actuality, you've always been, know what, uh, God always knows what time he's coming back. We just need to trust you with what you want in our lives right now. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, please bless this message. And Lord, may your hand of mercy be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last minute instruction. Uh, the New Testament makes many references to the current time as being the last days. Did you know that? Many times in the New Testament you found that there was times when they said last days. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of them that thought, oh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, or Jesus is coming back next week. Um, I think that would be exciting. I think, well, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. 
um, there are some people that believe that we're going to go through the tribulation and that we're going to sit through all that uh, garbage that's going to go on. I don't believe so. I think if you know a thief in the night, uh, I heard someone say that, well, you can, you can catch the thief in the night if you're up. And I said, no, really? Okay. Uh, but, you know, the thief in the night, when he comes, he doesn't come. People are usually not watching, are they? Most of the time when a thief is in the night and he's stealing things, most of the time he's doing it as like a, uh, like a very sneaky person. He's tiptoeing around. He's trying to find ways around things. But listen to, to me. A thief in the night is someone that you're not going to catch. Why? Because he doesn't want to be caught. And sometimes, do you have something funny, Oscar? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's a great illustration. I have to remind, I have to tell that story. So, of course, Juan Luna, as some of you know him, some of you don't. Uh, Juan Luna was in our church for many years, and uh, he, what did, they, what did they steal the first time? Yeah, they stole a bicycle from his front yard. So Juan, <laughs> the poor man that he was, he was, he was, he was determined, and Juan still had that old gangbanger spirit in him. And they're not going to take the best to take the best of me, right? So I'm going to stay up in the middle of the night, and I'm going to watch because he knew they were going to come back again. And Juan stayed up, stayed up. They didn't come. They didn't come. And then all of a sudden, he falls asleep, and they stole his grill too. <laughs> so I think about Brother Juan. That's really a great illustration. I should talk to you and consult on my sermons before we before I preach. Yes. Oh, was it? Yeah. Couldn't miss it, right? It's not like they could have climbed over it, right? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, but the thief in the night, he comes, and guess what? We're going to be sleeping. Jesus Christ will come, and we'll be, we won't even know as he's coming. I saw an illustration of that the other day, and I was just uh, I was thanking God that I was a part of that, that, that uh, when, we, when we go into the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. Uh, you think about that for a second, how much confusion there's going to be. Kind of the same confusion we have right now just a little bit more excelled. But I think about that, and I think about what God has told us. Um, it was the last days during that time. We are surely in the last minutes. Um, if you think about it, they say that they talk about the uh, 70, Brother Glenn tried to teach on that a little bit. What was it, 70 weeks? And we're in the last week, 69 weeks, and we're in the last week. Well, if you're in the last week, we're sitting on Saturday night, okay? We're sitting at Saturday night, 11 o'clock, okay? Uh, Jesus Christ is going to come back soon. Now, I'm, I'm saying that, and who knows? Maybe Jesus Christ will, won't come back in my lifetime. Um, I, hope, I hope Jesus Christ does come back. I think of my precious little girls down there, and I think about the importance and my little boy back there, and, and I think about the, some of the things we'll have to go through if Jesus doesn't come back. But either way, I know that Jesus will return, and I'm excited about that. Now, for the unbeliever, that's something else. I think most people in here have saved and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But listen to me, for the unbeliever, it's not a good time for, you to, for Jesus to return. Until you've accepted him as your personal Savior, there's never a good time. Uh, you never know when Jesus is going to return. You never know uh, when he's going to come back to claim his own. And we need to make sure that the unbeliever, another reason for us to be uh, vigilant and watching. So there's about five things that are last-minute instructions that I have to give tonight. First of all, it's for the believer. For the believer. Be sober be sober um first peter chapter 7 or 4 verse 7 it says but end of all things is at hand be therefore what sober and watch into prayer 
What does it mean to be sober? Yes. Alert. Right. You're not going to be like Juan. You're not going to get a little sleepy and let the thief come by you and steal from you. But you're going to be like it says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Hope to the end of grace that is to be wrought unto you the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to gird up your loins? Gird up your loins. In the old times when the Romans would fight, they'd pull up, uh, you might call it britches. Uh, they'd pull up their, uh, I don't know how you name it. It was kind of like a, almost like a robe. And they would, I know it sounds kind of weird, but they would. They would fight. When they'd fight, if the robe was too long, right? I see, I remember when I was, I was listening to the other when I was in, when I went to Fairhaven, uh, when I was a kid, I remember there were some girls. Miss Kim, were you around when the straight skirts were real popular? And they'd all walk like this. They'd walk around the entire time like this. Now I tell you what, if if you're gonna fight, right? If you're gonna fight, you don't want to walk around like this, right? And that's kind of what a rope would do to you. You'd walk around kind of with restrictions, right? The Bible says, "Wherefore gird up." Loins of your mind. What does that mean? It means you're going to take away those restrictions, right? What are those restrictions? Can somebody, let's just kind of rehearse some of those things that could be restrictions in your life that would prevent you from girding up the loins of your mind. Nobody? Nobody? Oh, Miss Rain is just classified, the huge classification. She says sin. But I'll tell you what, I'll, there are some things that I really believe will stop you for being sober. One of those things, the first thing that I think is that is causing us from stopping us from being sober is entertainment. Entertainment. Too many times we want to be entertained. My children, they want to be entertained. They have tablets and they watch their tablets and they enjoy the times with the tablet, but then you try to get to more serious things, right? And they're, they're kind of distracted. They're all over the place. Uh, entertainment can be a huge distraction in your Christian walk. Is there entertainment sin? Nobody's, nobody's going to answer this one? Nobody? What? Most of the time? Okay. Most of the time? Yes, Chloe. To an extent? No, she's trying to parse here. She's got the Bill Clinton is, is, is. Yes, anybody else? This is Sunday night. This is our, our main crowd, our, uh, our preaching to the choir crowd. Getting doctrinal. Yes, Miss Reina. She said that entertainment is not sin. It just goes to what it, how it's being used. Yes. Say it one more time. I'm sorry. Doesn't honor the Lord. Yes. Yes, yes, you're exactly right. Anytime it takes the place of God, right? The Bible tells us what? That we are to be sober, be vigilant, for the adversary of the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, the problem is, is most Christians, they're lulled into this idea of entertainment. Because it's, it's, it can be clean, right? You can sit there and, and watch what's one of those... Uh, uh, 
those those movies that they that the Christian guys have made out. I, I now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Courageous. Um, uh, that's a good clean Christian interface. What was oh the War Room right? Now it encourages you to what to to be a prayer warrior. Now I'm not saying those things are wrong. In all all at likelihood is good. We try to keep our entertainment clean. Well, if we're going to watch a secular movie, uh, we try to put it in VidAngel so there's no cursing or nudity or anything of that nature. But the question is, is how much entertaining are you doing and how much time are you reading God's Word? How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time are you investing your time in the Word of God? Let me ask you, being sober and being vigilant, how many people would go to work and sit there and watch a television show? Ms. Reyna, what do you think? I, I forget what you did before. You you were a care, care, uh, caretaker, right? With older folks? Before you got married to Mr. Oscar? Yeah? Now, you had an opportunity to do that. That's a little bit different. But I can't imagine Brother Lewis, or maybe Mr. Oscar, driving down the road, and he's watching a video, right? And he drives. He's watching. He, you know what? He might get in trouble, won't he? Why? Because he's not sober about his job. Sister Kim, my, I don't know how you can do this, but you make lots of masks. And I'm sure if you're not concentrating on your work, what's going to happen? You're going to make some wrong stitches, aren't you? You're going to make some huge mistakes, right? I think about Brother Lewis Sr. back there. He works on car parts, and he uses one of those big stamping machines. What if he's watching a movie? What's going to happen? He's going to get to the point where he's only going to have two fingers, okay? Because that punch is going to destroy him, okay? As a Christian, we need to be careful that we're sober and entertainment can stop us from being serious about the things of God. What's something else that can stop us from being sober? What's something else that can, be sober, that can distract us from being sober about the things of God? Well, I would say that with most Christians today, entertainment is a part of it, but distractions could be sports. Now, I don't know. There's not a lot of people here that I can really preach to about sports. Most people here are not huge sports fans. But I'll tell you this much, sports can stop you from, it's another form of entertainment, right? What else can be something that can stop you? The cares of this world, right? The cares of this world. If you're not, if you're distracted, and I've seen this at work, when someone's having a bad day at home, guess what they're also having a bad day? At work. Remember this lady that just lost her mind, and I just didn't, I don't know what I did. I was completely clueless. And part of it was because she was having a bad day at home. Somebody, the babysitter wasn't there, and so she had to find someone else to watch them. And she came into work late. And so what did she do? She took it on me. And as Christian, we are the same way. If we're not being sober, if we're not girding up the, the loins of our mind, we're going to have a struggle with what? Soberness. I think of something else that, that stops us. A lack. You listen to me. A lack or... Of literacy a lack of literacy what do you mean well if you're going to sharpen something what are you going to do if you got an I got a knife here and uh, it's a pocket knife it's sharp you go up here and you would take your hand and you would slice it right open now let's just say this knife is dull. what would I do to sharpen? what's that sharpening stone okay let's just say what I use cardboard what happens with cardboard? You cut something with a cardboard, this, this blade's going to go dull. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Harold. Why don't I just take and uh, cut on some, some metal? 
Won't that help sharpen it? No. What's going to sharpen it? There's two things. You could have a wet or the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, right? You could take an iron, and then we have one of those at home, and you sharpen it. Listen, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're constantly reading and understanding. Not that we shouldn't stop reading God's Word, but there should be time really studying. Pull out a concordance. Pull out a book on something. I just recently have come to the understanding that we're not going to ever sharpen our minds to the things of God until we've started doing some reading. I know it's hard. I've, I told Andrew, I was like, Andrew, I was telling you this morning, I got some books in, 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 in my... Uh, in my reservoir of things that I think people should read. One of those are on the home. Another one's on uh, um, pornography with men and how to protect themselves. I got another book on repentance. I have these different books that I've, that I've read and I think are huge helps to me. And I, I, think, well, I give these people this book and maybe they'll read it. And then I find out late weeks later <laughs> they haven't touched it. It's just like their Bible. It's sitting there on the shelf and it's collecting dust. And I'll tell you this much, listen to, I've even thought of going a step further and saying maybe what I should do is sit there and, and read the books and put it on audio tape <laughs> so people actually hear what's being said in those books. Why? You need to sharpen your mind. The Bible is very good for that sharpening, but listen to me. Use other things. Find ways to make yourself increase your, uh, your soberness, your understanding. Don't just stop and say, well, you know, pastors said enough for me. That's good enough. No. Really study God's Word. Really have a control of it. Really have an understanding of what God wants you to do. Because listen to me, the, the devil's out there. Not only is the devil out there, but listen to me, the Lord's returning. We need to be careful that we're not allowing ourselves not to be sober. What's another thing that can stop us from bringing up the, the loins of our mind? What's another thing? What's another distraction? You got one? Your family, okay. Wasn't really that I was thinking of. Anything else? Extended family, okay. Let's we could debate that. Yes, Sister Kim. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now I, I'm not going to take away from that. Your family can distract you. It can. It can. Uh, but I would think that would be part of girding up the loins of your mind, trying to train your kids upright. You're talking about your immediate family, right? Okay, and uh, maybe extended, yeah, extended family most definitely, the unsaved one especially. They can stop you from girding up the loins of your mind. There, there, there is a definite understanding there that God is, is working, and if you're allowing for them to have an influence on you, and I say undue influence because some people don't even realize they're having it. I remember that one family that we had here at the church who let their daughter spend inadequate times with uh, an unsaved loved one who was an atheist. I still remember the day when she walked in. We had the apartment above, and she says, uh, Brother Harold, I need to talk to you. I'm leaving the church today, but uh, I'm not going to come back because I don't really believe in Jesus stuff. I says, are you saved? She says, oh, I could say a prayer with you, and, and we could get through this, but she says, I don't believe a thing of it. It's not real to me. And I could only think of that undue influence of that uncle who was an atheist. Literally, she was... Uh, uh, influenced by that uncle who did not believe in God, and that influence was enough to deride her from where she should be as a Christian. And, and I really doubt if she's even a Christian today. I, I really doubt if she's ever made a profession of faith. But here's an a, a, area of influence. Sister Kim, back to you. What was it again? Friends. And that kind of goes along with the same... We'll get you to a second, Miss Raina. But that goes along 
with that same philosophy, right? It's going to dull your ideas, right? I mean, and I, I mean, how many times have you heard someone give you a different philosophy that's not of God? That's why I tell people, I, and, I, and I tell you, we're the YouTube generation. When you I, I, I'm thinking about in the building uh, a barn myself, and I, I'm crazy. I really am. I was like, well, we're going to have to watch some YouTube. That's the first thing you say. We're going to have to watch some YouTube, right? You probably were doing some research when you were making the masks and looking at stuff, right? YouTube. Uh, I'm sure Sam and you know, the YouTube, right? Louis Jr., I'm sure you use YouTube all the time, right? No? Okay, good. Keep it that way. Oscar uses YouTube to work on his vehicles. Brother Glenn, do you know what YouTube is? Okay. <laughs> teasing you, bro. Just teasing. But, you know, YouTube can be, we're the YouTube generation. But if we watch them, and we don't know what kind of lifestyle they're living, right? We don't understand it. They're an undue influence on us. That's why it's important to keep it within the local church. Talk to people you know. Talk to people that you know live right and do right. Now, going back to what sisters, Kim says, your friends can be a bad influence as well. Now, the question is, is where are they at in their spiritual life? Are they stopping you? Or are, they, are they distracting you? If they're unsaved and they're not having the same like mind as we, you're going to be on the wrong track, aren't you? All right, anybody else? Miss Raina, you had something. Right on. Right. And you know what? That is that is a very good I'm glad you brought it up. And we're, we're gonna wrap this up, but I'll, I'll close with that is the idea that you, as a Christian, have responsibilities that are more important than anything else that's going on. Um, I, and I agree with you. I can find things to distract me from doing God's Word and not being sober, not reading my Bible, not praying, and not spending time seeking God's face. Um, my family devotions will suffer if I find time. You know, I'll find something to do. And sometimes I come home and I'm exhausted. I look at Cassie and say, Cassie, could you have devotions for me? Because I'm just tired. Sometimes you just got to gird up the loins of your mind and keep moving forward, keep pressing forward, saying, oh, no, I'm tired. I just got to do it. You know, it's important. All right, we're moving on. Secondly, as we see here in verse 7, but in all things at a hand, be therefore sober and watch under prayer. I love the disciples at the time of Christ's crucifixion. What did they do? Sorry, I'm a little warm in here, so I'm going to take the old jacket off. What did they do? Jesus Come and pray with me, right? And what did those disciples do? They fell asleep, didn't they? We have supplication that we need to watch and pray. Now, being sober is important. Why? Because being sober means that we're aware that there's a problem. Um, if you go down the road and you see a sign that says, watch out, construction ahead. Oh, you're going to be alert for it, aren't you? When you're driving at nighttime and it's raining outside, and you're a little bit nervous about it, what are you going to do? You're going to be sober. You're going to say, oh, man, I, I don't want to hit somebody or I don't want to run into somebody. i got to be careful. 
And in the same sense as a Christian, we have to be sober. But the second thing that comes in with that is an idea of supplication. Watch and pray. But of that day, the hour of Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 32 and 33 says, But of that day and the hour which knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not what the time is. Now, if you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back tomorrow, and this is why I have the biggest argument against these mid-tribulation people, is the fact that if you know that Jesus is coming back, you're going to have a hard time figuring out. Uh, you can say, well, God's going to come back. I see someone come, uh, sacrificing on the altar, so hey, I better get serious, right? Well, listen to me. If you don't know when Jesus is coming back, you better be serious all the time. You better be showing your understanding all the time. You better be praying all the time. Why? Because you never know when he's coming back. You never know. He could come back tomorrow. He could come back. Listen, girls. He could come back after this evening service, after you're fighting with your sisters. <gasps> Man, Dad, don't, don't, don't point out my sin. He could come back as you're sitting there tomorrow morning, supposed to be having your devotions, right? Right, Miss Raina? And you got to find something else to do, right? I know. I'm there with you. you got to be careful. You need to be praying. Jesus is going to be watching. He's going to be looking. And you know what? When you come back and you're still uh, goofing around and acting like uh, a foolish little teenager, listen to me, you're going to have problems. God wants us to watch and pray. He's watching how you're living. He really is. Watch how you live. You need to be careful that you're not living a life that's displeasing to God. God knows. He knows. And you know what? As you pray to him and you ask him forgiveness... He's just waiting for you to come back. You know, I was a kid. This is, you'll make, make me laugh, Andrew. When I was a kid, my dad would do this number with me. He'd say, son, you're going to get a spanking. But we'd be out in public. So you know what you do? You need to remind me. Right? You need to remind me you need a spanking. You know how hard that is for a kid to remind their father or mother that they need a spanking? Right, girls? They've gotten that down now. They know it's important. Because God always, it's funny, because God would always remind my dad. We, I thought, boy, I got away with it two days later. Son, didn't I owe you a spanking? Uh, oh, man. And then you know what would make it worse? He'd give me double. He'd give me double. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need to take care of this. I can't let this go. I can't let this slide. Listen to me, when you're spending time with your Heavenly Father and you're talking to Him, you're spending time with Him and you're looking for supplication, we got to be careful because He's going to be watching how you're living and you should be watching how you're living. If you're not spending time in prayer, how do you know how you're living? You could be, you could be doled to the doldrums of sin, couldn't you? Uh, it's very easy to. They say that, no, I, don't, I disagree with this. I disagree with this. I, I do think that you're the best teacher for your children. Uh, but there was a pastor that used to say that sometimes you need to send your kids off to Christian school so other people could see how they're living and, and, and warn you of things that are going on, which I do think there's ways to do that. I've had people come to me and say, hey, your son, your daughter, well, not son, but daughters, <laughs> have come to you and said, oh, they're doing something wrong. And you know what? I have to take care of it. But listen to me. As a Christian, we need to make sure that we're praying. Ask God, search me, O God, like David said. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me. Can you imagine, though, as my daughters have found out, if Jesus returns and he finds you in sin? Think about that for a second, how disappointed he's going to be. 
there's times when I found, and these girls will attest to it, when I've walked into the kitchen or the living room and they're doing something again, Dad. And you know what they're doing? Right? Whatever they're doing, they got it behind their back. And this look at their face like, am I doing wrong? Am I going to get caught? Is Dad going to find out? The thing is, is God already knows. God already knows. And we have to be careful. Well, we got the baby chorus going on here. This is great. We got to get fed here quickly. But you know what? The Christian needs to understand that God is always watching. And he's always waiting for you to come back to him and say, God, I need to take care of this. I need to take care of that. Supplication is important. Not only watch and pray for yourself, but listen to me. We need to watch and pray for others. There's an opportunity here to help someone else. Oh, man, did you see brother so-and-so? Did you see sister so-and-so? Boy, they're just not getting it. Why not? Is it because you're not being compassionate enough and praying for them? If you're not spending time asking the Lord Jesus on their behalf? Supplication, what is it? I tried to define that for my children. What is supplication? What is intercession? What is intercession? Thank you. Going to the Lord on the behalf of someone else. Our goal as a church should be one. We want to see people grow, right? How are we going to see them grow? Yes, disciple them. Yes, get, teach them. Yes, preach at them. But you know what? The best way that they're going to grow is if the Holy Spirit is involved with their, their personal growth. And they're convicted and someone is interceding on their behalf. And they're trying to see God work in their lives. It's important to understand. Number three. We find charity. In verse 8 it says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. Fervent. What does it mean to be fervent? Fire. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Thank you. Fiery. Anybody else? Yes. No. No. Passionate. Oh, that's a good word. It's a good way to define it. I always think about fervent as fever. Right? Fever pitch, right? It's always that understanding, boy, you just, you, you got to get it done, right? You're excited about it. How many times have you prayed and asked Jesus Christ, how can I be a blessing to someone today? Make me a blessing to someone today. Make me a blessing. I asked, I forget the rest of the song. Now I'm starting to sound like my mother. Forgetting songs like that. Get there halfway through it. But make me a blessing. Ask Jesus, God, how can I provide for someone? Maybe you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you can't uh, be a huge, uh, infinite blessing, which you don't realize you are. It might be something small. It might be something little. But God is going to bless you by blessing others. Finding a way. I was talking. It was interesting. I was talking to um, David today. Uh, if you never met David, Oscar's talked to him. Brother Glenn's talked to him. But David is interesting because he was shocked. He says, wow. And I was explaining to him how some people in our church have taken the opportunity to help others out. And when people have needs, they're, they're, they're making, uh, taking money and giving that money and, and finding ways, whether it be food or whether it be money or it be something they could do to help. And he says, wow. He was shocked at that. He says, that really takes a lot of, of effort for people to do that. And I had to correct him. I says, no, it doesn't. When Jesus Christ is at the center of your relationship, listen to me, Jesus will make you do that. The love of Jesus will compel you. He'll constrain you to do that. And I think that's important to understand. Love in action is what charity is. We should love and be sympathetic toward one another as Christ returns, gets closer. 
It should not be said of Garfield Ridge Baptist Church that we've lost our love for each other. I think sometimes we become a little bit distant. We become a little bit distant to people's needs. We become a little bit distant to people's uh, uh, um, hurts and stresses. Why is that? Because we haven't centered our life around charity. The Bible is very clear. The greatest of these is charity. It says here, and above all things, have fervent charity. They in this in my Bible that it's intensely devoted or earnest. You're not uh, just going about it in a way that says, ah, I'm half-hearted. You're not going to yawn halfway through it. Well, I tell you, I know, here's my daughter yawning. She's proving my point. As a Christian, you're going to find some way possible to say, how could I be a blessing to this person today? Whether it may be something small or something big, God knows. And you're going to be a blessing to them. It says in the last part here, it's among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You know how much encouragement is to someone that's just growing in the faith and they see someone reaching out and trying to help them, trying to love on them, trying to encourage them? Even if it's something special, how about just taking them out for a cup of coffee? What are you doing? You're using charity. You're using love in action. It's important. Number three was charity. Number four, we need to be sociable. Sociable. Sociable and charity is kind of on along the same thing, but it has to deal with hospitality without grudging. James chapter 5, verse 9. Let's turn there. James chapter 5, verse 9. I love the book of James, one of my favorite books of the Bible. James. It goes Hebrews, James, John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We find in James chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. It says in verse 8, uh, let's go back a little bit, a little bit here. It says, um, Behold, uh, in verse 4, Behold the hire of laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you, kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanted. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he hath not, doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be, there, be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. The idea of grudging, what does that mean? If you hold grudging, what does it mean? You have grudge against a brother. What does that mean? It's open. You haven't forgiven them. Hospitality without grudging. Boy, that is such a, a word picture. First of all, we think about a grudge, right? It's kind of a bitterness. It's an anger towards someone. It's a resentment that you hold towards someone. But then it says hospitality without grudging. How does that add word add into that? Well, you think about what hospitality is. Miss Sister Kim and Brother Attila, they they work collecting information in the what hospitality industry. Hospitality industry is the hotel industry, right? What do they do? They try to serve you and help you and, and anything you need, right? You go to them and they got something for you. You know, you go to some of these really fancy motels and the first thing you do is these guys work, they work, they got these really nice red suits or, or black suits and they grab your bags and they carry it up to your 
for a tip, of course. They carry it up to your hotel room, right? That's some hospitality, right? The Bible tells us that preachers and pastors be uh, what? Given to hospitality. I, I sure hope that I'm being that. Hospitality is a sense of what? Of serving others. And not just serving others, it's serving others in a very uh, sense of servitude, right? And almost in a Slavic way. You're just working just on the behalf of others. Should it be said of you that someone says, boy, wow, you've really helped me. You've gone out of your way. And sometimes you don't get thanked for it. You say, Brother Harold, what do you mean? You do something really nice for someone. How many will hold the door open for some lady or man and they don't say thank you? That used to burn me up, right? What, why did it burn me up? Yes. It would burn me up because I thought I deserve some recognition for this great feat that I've done. In actuality, all I did was what? Hold open a door. And really, I should take that suffering for Jesus Christ's sake. We're going to have people in here that are not, they're unregenerate, they're unsaved. They're going to do things that are outside the will of God. You have a responsibility as a Christian to say, hey, I love you. I'm doing this out of servitude. I'm doing this out of uh, an interest in your life. I'm not doing it because I want recognition from you. I'm doing this because I love you. And because I love you, I love Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is spreading that love abroad in my heart. We need to be careful that we're not taking uh, God's glory. Because guess what? Maybe that person is very unthankful. Maybe that person is undirected in their understanding. But you know what? The Bible says the goodness of God bringeth men to repentance. As we travel in our, our Christian life and we're helping people, we're being what? Hospitality. We're using that hospitality. We better not be doing it with grudging. Okay, I kept this perfect example. So they call them coordinators. At work, and they're the ones that are supposed. They're not really your bosses. They just help you with your schedule. So if I have a question or I need to change an estimated time arrival, I'll call this guy. And it's interesting because when you call him, you automatically know. Hello. Hello. What can I do for you? Well, I just hear. Oh, it's kind of like I hate life. Get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you. You got it. It's a big grudge. He's doing his job, isn't he? But then there's this other guy, and I love talking. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, great. What can I do for you today? Boy, there's a different spirit there, isn't it? Listen, if you're using hospitality to help people, and your spirit is, people will take notice, right? Girls, listen to me. Hopefully someday you'll be pastor's wives or missionary's wives or maybe even a lay preacher's wife. You're going to have to entertain some strangers. And your husband, right, Sister Kent? Your husband's going to come home and say, hey, the Teasdales are coming by tomorrow. Now, I don't probably, probably tell never does that, but I've done that to Cassie a few times. Hey, you know what? Chess is coming by tomorrow. What? <laughs> she's, she's been very sweet with me. But you know what? I remember my she sometimes, she would laugh. She would make the, she says, why did you tell me about this, Kurt? We'd just get a kick out of that. 
But listen to me, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're doing things, hospitality. And you girls, listen to me. You're going to entertain strangers and you have no idea who they, you might have just met them that day. And you've got to do it with a smile on your face. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Some of you girls have a hard enough time trying to figure out how you're going to be hospitable to your spouse. How are you going to do it? It's by what? Having the love of Jesus Christ in your broad and your hearts. It's important to understand that we need to be sociable. It says, Brother, unless ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. God is watching, holding grudges, some signs of her unforgiveness. Man, if someone treat, treats you wrong, listen to me. Look at it and say, hey, I'm only doing this for the service of the Lord. They're not treating me wrong. They're treating God wrong. And I just need to trust God that he'll take care of me in whatever situation I'm in. Fellowship with one another without grudging. And listen to me. As the world grows worse and worse, there should be a sign of Christians that are growing closer and closer. Why do you say is that, brother, Pastor Harold? Why is that? Because listen to me. There's no sweeter fellowship that you'll find than here at this church. It should be that way. If it's not, then we have a problem. If you can find sweeter fellowship outside in the world, then we got a problem. Either with you or with this church, there's a problem. We need to be careful that we're what? Not showing grudging. No matter who they are that come through here. I remember one time I had this bus kid. And I would take him out to eat. Then I found out later, Andrew, I had a junior church offering and he stole all the junior church offering. I was thinking it was like $100. We were saving it up for a missionary. And I was so disappointed. But you know what? I still kept loving that kid. Why? Because God gave me the responsibility to. i got to realize that kid comes from a bad background. I realize that kid's got some issues. I just need to trust him with it. Listen to me. we got many things to be thankful for. And we need to be understand that we should keep our what? Our friends close to us. People that care about it, have the same desires as us. One more, and I'm done. One more. We need to have support. It says in verse 9, it says, Using hospitality one to another without grudging. We've already went over that. Number 10, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as what? Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Boy, that's a good verse. You as Christians must understand, we as Christians must understand that our um, gift that comes from God, your salvation, is not free. It is free to you, but it wasn't free to Jesus Christ. He died for it. He bled. He had to spend that time on the cross. And as we as Christians, we look around and we see our lives not living up to his expectations we're being really ungrateful. We have plenty of gifts and talents. I think about my um, my wife. I think about when I got married. Boy, she she really brought a lot to the marriage. Uh, she's an organizational freak. Uh, my daughter Chloe is an organizational freak. She likes books and checklists. And I, on the other hand, I run by the seat of my pants all the time. I'm a last minute type of guy. If it's not done the last minute, it's not done right. That's what I always believe. But you know what? My wife brought a lot to the marriage. She helped me with that. She helped me organize. She helped me organize my life, organize my thoughts. There's be times I'll be sitting there and, hey, do you think about this? I'm like, oh, uh, the mountain volcano just kind of erupted in my brain. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me. I should have taken care of that. But listen to me. We need to be supportive towards each other. Turn to Matthew. 
chapter, uh, let's see here. I might have written this down wrong. Let's see here, Matthew chapter 25, or maybe. Uh, make sure I got the right verse before I give it to you folks. 45, let's see here. Oh, here we go. Matthew chapter 25. In verse, um, let's go to verse 33. And he, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and put the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto him on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world, for I was a hungered and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was stranger and ye took me in, naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we an hundred hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or then when we saw thee sick or in prison came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. We are going to be in a situation, the world, the world, the way the world is going, the way the the more the world gets uh, worse and worse, realize that there's going to be a lot more broken homes. There's got going to be a lot more broken souls out there. There's going to be a lot more people that are, are in a, a miserable situation that as a church we are to help them with. Remember that. God has given us these gifts and talents, not just to use it for ourselves, on ourselves, but on others. And let's make sure that we're faithful to that. All right. Let's close in a word of prayer.